When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the state of the Eagles roster, Doug Peterson's latest surprise, and we're going to preview the Eagles matchup against the Green Bay Packers. Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Uh, is, is looking forward to actually uh, seeing the Eagles go against the Packers. It should, it should actually, surprisingly, could be a really good matchup for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think if if they run the ball, uh, they might have a shot here. Um, What's that? Yeah, well, <laughs> What's wrong right, exa- exactly. Um, look, so the Eagles are. Let's just get straight into it, right? So the Eagles are. I think, from my perspective, they're in this rebuild that they don't realize that they're in, and at least this week, it seems like they've shown signs that maybe they're coming to reality and they understand that the future is now. Uh, Jack Driscoll will start at right tackle as opposed to Matt Pryor, who has not played very well when starting, but gives them a versatile asset as a backup because he can play both tackle and both guard positions. Um, And then you're also seeing Will Parks, who got cut uh, earlier this week, that's opening the floodgates for guys like Graylin Arnold and, and Kayvon Wallace to get more playing time at safety. Uh, I think we've seen Davian Taylor a little bit more than we thought we would this season as of late. Um, so they're, they're making room for some of these younger guys to compete. And at three, seven and one, that's the right thing to do. Right. Especially uh, if you are Doug and Howie, I don't know if you're afraid for your job, I don't know if you've received, I mean, Doug Peterson straight out said that he hasn't been given any assurance that he'll be net here next year, but what better way to prove that you deserve to keep the job if you can develop some young talent ahead of, you know, the the potential doomsday, as they call that, that Black Monday, uh, where a lot of guys get the chop after the season finale uh, of the regular season. Um, what says you on that? I know, I know you're big on playing veterans that give you the best chance to win, but where they're at right now, is it time to, to look at these young guys and kind of, uh, 
I guess, milk the youth, as it were. Well, I definitely think it's, it's not a bad idea to go ahead and play the young guys, especially when it, you look at the the best rosters when it comes to roster constructions. They have a mix of mixture of old veterans as well as some young guys that you can go ahead and bring along. So when the veterans get older, the young guys take over and vice versa, back and forth. So I have no problem whatsoever uh, with what they're doing on that as well, too. I hope they have the support that's necessary and are able to do that. And by what I mean by that is when you're looking and you see more of a Kayvon Wallace starting to play, you kind of hope that he goes ahead and he he gets used to that stuff and he has his uh, fellow veterans going and help him out. You hope that the defenders are going and back him up. They're propping him up. And you also hope that Jim Schwartz doesn't put him in a bad position, say, hey, go ahead and uh, do this coverage. And the next thing you know, he's looking lost out there because – as we all know, Jim Schwartz says safety and linebacker are two of the positions that you have the toughest time going in and playing against. So you you can go ahead and play the young guys. And another guy I throw in there as well, too, is Jack Driscoll. I mean, I think that seeing him play a right tackle, I think the Eagles finally have, bar. I mean, given the injury situation that they have right there, I think the Eagles finally have their five best defensive, I mean, offensive linemen that are out there as well, too. And I'm really curious to see, and I hope they support him by not having him drop back in uh, pass coverage 50 times against the Packers and, and and basically just having him go ahead and absorb all those those rushes. So it's going to be as long as the Eagles coaching staff don't overexpose these young guys and put them in positions to go ahead and, and fail, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think, you know, from the argument of maybe playing Hurts over Wentz, there's a lot of people that have said – you know, with the offensive line being what it is, with the wide receivers not getting open, with them not really trusting the running game to to function as the focal point of the offense, it might put him at a disadvantage and hurt his confidence. I think at other positions, that excuse doesn't really exist if you're coaching properly, right? If you deserve to be the coach here, you should be putting these young kids in position to succeed. And when you look at the secondary in particular, uh, you look at Darius Slay, he was drafted by Jim Schwartz in Detroit. You look at Nikel Roby Coleman, played a year under him in Buffalo. Avante Maddox has been here for three years. Uh, Jalen Mills has been here for five years, as has Rodney McLeod. All five of those guys who are starters have a long history here uh, or, or with the defensive coordinator. Um, you look at how they brought in Leotis McKelvin and, and Ron Brooks the first year that Schwartz was here. You look at, uh, you know, guy Corey Graham guys that they've brought in to understand the system and look the not everybody thrives in this system we saw Ronald Darby really kind of be as up and down as possible here um Avante Maddox hasn't been great in this outside corner role but he thrived as a free safety thrived as a nickel corner at times Russell Douglas and Sidney Jones could never really crack the code and you know, it's up to Kayvon Wallace, who a lot of folks really within the draft community and people I talk to within the league love Kayvon Wallace and thought he'd be able to deliver within the first month of the season. And we just haven't seen it. He's done some nice things on special teams, but he's a guy that people want to see. People are hyped about coming into this season. And I think if he can excel, you feel good about maybe not re-signing Jalen Mills. You feel good maybe about Either, or, or potentially moving Jalen Mills out to corner again, because look, entering this game against the Packers, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but Darius Slay is questionable with a calf injury. That's nothing to just kind of ignore. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think at least for the secondary sake, you need to see some of the future here because look, we've brought it up about a bajillion times in the past. Their salary cap situation next off season is horrific. 
and they're not going to really be able to sprint freely. And part of the reason why they wanted 10 draft picks in this class is because next year they're really not going to be able to spend. So they need as many resources to develop this year as possible. And we haven't really seen much of the, uh, of the rookie class outside of John Hightower out of necessity and Jalen Rager, but Jalen Rager was injured for five weeks and um, you still see Alshon Jeffrey and, and Jason Peters out on the field when you have a healthy Quez Watkins, a healthy now Jack Driscoll, who's now going to get his opportunity. And I just think if the Eagles are going to approach this, like this isn't like some sort of, you know, reworking or rebuild moving forward, whether they make the playoffs or not, they're going to be in bad shape because if you do play the, the older guys consistently who are not going to be here next year and you make the playoffs and then you lose in the first round, not only have you ruined your draft positioning, but you don't know what you have in the young guys. And that's a problem. And let's say you do play the guys that you think you can win with and you don't win with them. Again, you don't know what you have in these young players who are going to need to step up next year no matter what you do, you're in a position to where you can't be loyal to those veterans because you can't really pay them or you can't keep them around. And so I think this is the right sentiment for this roster. And something I wanted to talk to you about is guys that are not set up to succeed that visibly you can see. We saw Will Park, Will Parks kind of put in a position where he never really got to compete for strong safety, never really got an opportunity for pretty extensive playing time. Who's a guy that you think they have not developed or given the opportunity? A young guy, he doesn't necessarily have to be a rookie that that has not really been treated properly to succeed. I'd go Quez Watkins. I really would go that. I think just looking at when he was playing back in Southern Miss and looking what he brings to this team potentially as well, too. I think I personally thought he had a little bit better hands than uh, John Hightower did when I was watching him, like whatever I saw out of him out of Southern Miss. And I thought he with hit combined with his speed, even if it didn't mean like, even if it didn't mean like, Hey, you know what? He's going to get a lot of snaps, at least throw him back on it. Like, and I know it's a tough skill to develop sometimes, but kick return, something like kick return or even use him as like a gadget guy running on speed sweeps or, or even wide receiver screens. I just think when we heard Aaron, uh, Aaron Moorhead talk today and he's saying he's basically, he's doing well when it comes to providing looks on the scout team, but he can't get on to the field. He's tri- basically has to try to translate that speed over to game action and, and practice action. I'm hearing that. I'm like, okay, I think he has a lot of, I think he brings a lot to this team and they haven't been able to find a way to properly use him. So he, he's the guy I think, who do you think has been used besides Will Parks? Well, let's, let's look at wide receiver. Okay. Everybody wants to bury JJ or single white side. And you know, all we saw was him play, is like a decoy last year. He got a lot of snaps, didn't really do a lot with him, had some blunders. Like, what's different from him than John Hightower, except for, like, skill set, right? Like, you're seeing flashes from them, you're seeing them play a lot, but you're not really seeing them targeted, and you're not really seeing them game plan for. If you look at Travis Fulgham, uh, since they've returned from the bye week, they've basically used him as J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He's not the first read in the progression about 85% of the time. Uh, Yeah, he's struggling to separate a little bit, but he's the type of receiver that doesn't need that type of separation for the most part. If we saw against the Steelers, I mean, he was making every difficult catch you could possibly make in the book. So, look, I I don't think they're setting up any of these X receivers to succeed. I get it. You want to get speed out there, but you're not even using speed properly. So um, 
it just seems like they're way too enthused about the tight end position. And look, Goddard and Richard Rogers have played well. Don't get me wrong, but I just kind of feel like they're not being supported and developed in a way that leads or, or, um, breed success. Like that's, it, it's just, that's the situation right now. Uh, I felt that way about Jack Driscoll for a little bit, who I thought actually could play pretty well at left guard. Um, but now he's getting a shot at right tackle. And I, I think you're at this spot on offense where almost every position is up, up for evaluation for the future, because really that's been the problem of this team. The defense has played much better the last three weeks. Uh, and, you know, it was almost like the bye week was their kryptonite. They've just fallen apart ever since. Now, the offense hasn't played well all year. They've never eclipsed 30 points. The only two teams that can claim that are the Eagles and the Jets. The Jets are, are have not won a game this year. So, um, Doug Peterson's supposed to be this guru. He's supposed to be this quarterback whisperer. They're averaging 21.5 points a game, which is 25th in the league. Uh, you know, I think they're 28th in, in passing offense they're 20 or they're 13th in running offense but they don't want to run the ball so overall they're like 27th uh in total offense and that's just like not acceptable um now can i, now can I, can I uh rebut uh i guess one of the things right there when you said about jj arcega whiteside sure when it when it comes to arcega whiteside i just look at him he had several opportunities to go ahead and prove himself especially when you were down uh, Deshaun Jackson, when you're down Alshon Jeffrey, and it took Travis Fogel to go ahead and show that, hey, you know what? He's had less, he's had fewer opportunities in, in Philadelphia than Arcega Whiteside had, and he was able to go ahead and make the most of them. Now, I agree with you. I think they could have done a better job these past couple of weeks trying to get Fogel involved a little bit more, and I think it's scheming. But when I look at Arcega Whiteside, he's had several opportunities, and he's been, he, he's been teasing everybody when we saw on train camp, wow, he, he made these great catches and he thought, Hey, you know, he's going to turn it around. And when it came, comes to the games, he hasn't been able to put it there. So I, I think he's been given a lot of opportunities. I think they've wanted him to, and especially when they had all those injuries at wide receiver, he wasn't able to, to capitalize on it. And, and he finds himself now being a healthy scratch. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think he's like, he doesn't have any blame in this, but I also think it's, it's a situation where, like, there's no development here. Last year, Carson Walsh couldn't develop a mop. Uh, like, he, uh, well, I mean, I guess, you know, that's like he didn't know what to do. Like, wow. No, Carson Walsh was an, uh, you know, an abject oh, failure as a wide receiver. Ah, okay. That's what he was. That's what he was. Uh, Gunter Brewer uh, did well with, with Nelson Aguilar, and he did some nice things with, with Mac Hollins, but didn't really deliver. Mike Groh was really the wide receiver developer when he was the wide receivers coach here in 2017. And, you know, I mean, he got promoted and, and you saw what happened there. And now it seems like he was a massive scapegoat because the offense has only gotten worse without him. Uh, and look, I, I just I'm not sure that JJ has been given the best coaching. I think Moorhead's been exponentially better than anybody other than Groh. Uh, you've seen that with Travis Fulgham. I think you've seen that with bits and pieces of Hightower and, and Rager. But look, these kids are young kids. They didn't have a full offseason. And I think, like, when you're not playing the guy's strengths, which we've seen, this has been a problem with this offense for three years, is Golden Tate wasn't played to his strengths. 
we're seeing Nelson Aguilar play even better in other in another role in Las Vegas uh, as an outside receiver and his speed threat. Um, he's not like just beholden to the slot like he was here. Um, we're seeing guys like John Hightower run deep routes, but really he's not doing anything otherwise. Uh, Jalen Rager just look, he dominated. We saw it slant routes, crossing routes. He was killing it. And I think I've seen him run a crossing route, like maybe like paying attention to him, like maybe 20% of his snaps. Uh, and then you got Fulgham who I, I just don't understand what they're doing in pre-planning. Maybe they feel like the defenses are just shutting him down, but it just seems like they don't want to force it to him. And I think for a big body target, who's had the production he's had, with not a lot of production around him, you do want to force it. Let Carson be Carson every now and then and let him throw up or put something in a tight window and let it give his wide receiver some early snaps. We talk about getting running backs going early. Well, you got to get tight ends and wide receivers going early too for them to find that rhythm. And then, you know, we talk about Carson Wentz and we talk about him continuing to start and everything like that. The best thing that Doug Peterson can do is force the run in this game. Uh, the Packers are not a good run defense. They haven't been for the last couple of years. You need to be able to use Miles Sanders. And last year, they dominated on the ground. Uh, Miles Sanders not only looked had the best performance to that point as a running back, but he had a 67-yard kick return too. And then obviously, you had the three-touchdown performance by Jordan Howard, who caught the ball cleanly, had a receiving touchdown, and then had two rushing touchdowns. That was maybe the best running back performance we've seen in the last few years. So, or at least one of them. I just think when you're coming into this game, you have to build around the run or or you're going to be in trouble. That's that's definitely the, it's going to be set because not only are you going to do that, you're going to have to go ahead and keep running the ball to go ahead and make sure you keep the Green Bay offense on there because if you really are, if, even though Peterson says he expects Slay to play, but if he doesn't, you're going to go ahead and put – if you keep throwing the ball going three and outs, you're going to keep giving that Green Bay offense too many chances to go back on the field against a, a beaten up secondary. And next thing you know, it, it ball can, the game can get out of hand. So I, I would, in order as well too, I would go ahead and settle this, settle Carson Wentz down, to settle his offense down, settle everybody down, get in that rhythm, just keep going, pounding the ball. In between, I start out in between the tackles because I, I saw David Montgomery get that long run. In 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 the game against uh, the Packers played against the Bears and it was right up the it was perfect and they used the they used a version of the zone re, the zone uh, blocking scheme and the Eagles use, like to use that a lot so it's gonna be there for the Eagles as a matter of if, if they possess the constitution enough to go ahead and stick with the run and then build the play action off of that it's gonna be they're gonna need a lot of patience on offense to go ahead and do this and I think. I'm starting to think whoever calls the plays, Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, Scangarell, whoever is after everything we heard, whoever is there for it, you kind of get that sense that they're going to go ahead and stick with it this game. Yeah, and and you bring that up, and to let the reader, the listeners who don't know, Doug Peterson admitted uh, the the Inquirer had a report that he had given uh, Rich Gangarello, the former offensive coordinator of the uh, Denver Broncos, who's now the senior offensive assistant for the team, uh, two-minute drill uh, opportunities to call plays. Uh, Press Taylor's been receiving a little bit more uh, strategy and, and play calling as the year's gone on. 
especially in this last game. But Doug Peterson says that he is the play caller and whatever. Seriously, whatever. <laughs> uh, I think this is not gone the way that they've wanted it to. Obviously, Doug Peterson loves play calling. That's kind of what gets his juices flowing. But he's just, look, there, this offense is in a rut. It's stale. Uh, it's easy to figure out, according to people that I've talked to around the league. And look, they need to do something different. So maybe this is the right move. And and frankly, I think Doug Peterson, you know, when we talk about the emotional intelligence and his ability to lead a locker room, I actually think he would be better off as a CEO head coach at this point. It doesn't mean that it has to be permanent. It doesn't mean he doesn't have to call plays anymore, but maybe just take a step back for the rest of the season see if you can save your job. And then you have fresh eyes to see what the parameter is for your play calling. So as we get into that, let's get into this Packers matchup. We've already kind of previewed it a little bit. We both are in agreement that running the ball is the right move in this game. Keep away ball from Aaron Rodgers should be everybody's strategy. But the one thing that I will caution people on is the fact that Aaron Jones runs similarly to uh, Chris Carson. And the Eagles had some trouble, especially in the red zone against Chris Carson in this past this past week against Seattle. Aaron Jones, to me, is the X factor in this game. If they cannot stop him, this game is going to be blown wide open. Uh, and, you know, Jim Schwartz wants to stop the run. Uh, they need to do that here. They also need to be able to defend Jones as a receiver because he is one of the best catchers of the football out of the backfield. Uh, what, what do you think the biggest concern is outside of Aaron Rodgers in this game? Well, you you mentioned that when when you mentioned him as well. He he was running Aaron Jones. He was running violently, and I mean, he was very. He looked really really good. I think it's going to be a lot a lot of times when it comes to everybody puts their attention on Devonte Adams. I look at guys like Alan Lazard and uh, Valdez Scantling, and even uh, what's his name? I, don't get me wrong. I will never say his first name because I always mess it up. But Saint Brown. I mean, I saw them. Uh, he, Rogers was targeting. Are you talking Brown about the the age of Aquarius, Saint Brown? Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll use that one. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 with the fifth dimension, I like that too. Yeah, because that that was, yeah, good luck. Uh, <laughs> but I, I look at those guys. I think a lot of t- attention is going to be put, uh, or is going to be put on Adams. I just look at those guys, like especially when it comes to like Scat- Valdez Scanlon. He hasn't had the best of seasons so far, but he's always seems to type like when you just forget about him. Eh, okay, right, right. He's a third, fourth option. Eh, don't worry about it. Next thing you know, he burns you for 80 yards, 100 yards, and next thing you know, he's he's done. The other guy I, I, I'm really looking at is their tight end, is Tanyan. I think he's been d- developing the last couple of weeks. He's been doing a very good job. He's been getting open. He's been a touchdown machine when it comes to going around the red zone area, and it looks like He's earned Rodgers' respect as well, too. So I think when you look at uh, around there, around that area, he really, he, he really, really worries me. Uh, I mean, Robert Tanyan, if he goes ahead and if the, if they, if the linebackers are safety, especially when you, if you do play Kayvon Wallace a little bit more, I wonder if they're going to go ahead and try to scheme it up so they have him one on one and try to get the rookie, uh, to bite on maybe, I don't know, a double move or something like that. But Tanyan kind of scares me as well, too. Well, and they like to play 12 personnel because they have Mercedes Lewis, who's essentially uh, an extra offensive lineman, very good blocker. Think Brent Selleck uh, during the final two years, the first two years of Peterson's tenure, really just a, mostly a blocking threat, but he can go out and he can catch some passes and be a big target in the, in the end zone as well. Uh, on defense, look, they got some pass rushers. They've got guys who can get after the ball and, 
you know, uh, Gary and um, name escapes me. Uh, not McPhee. Um, Mississippi State. Why, why am I forgetting his name? Um, not Smith. No, yeah, Zadarius Smith. But I oh, he went to he went to Kentucky, right? Uh, yeah. So anyway, Zadarius Smith, I think, is like a guy that they're going to have to watch out for. Um, I think you can attack their linebackers. Like I said, the running game isn't their run defense is not very good. Uh, you know, their corners and safeties can play though. You know, you got Savage, you've got um, some of these other guys that can really get their hands on the football and make plays and look, turnovers are going to be at a premium in this game. You want to be able to not give Aaron Rodgers more attempts to get down the field. You also don't want to take away some attempts. So the Eagles are really going to have to play smart football and on defense and, and on offense. Look, Aaron Rodgers isn't a guy that turns the ball over. He's just not. And the reason why the Pat, the Eagles want part of the reason why the Eagles won that game last year is because he threw uh, a very uncharacteristic uh, interception uh, that was pass. There was a pass breakup in the end zone by Craig James, who's now on IR, and Nigel Bradham caught the ball for an interception. Uh, it was. I think that might be the m- most fun road game that I've covered uh, for the Eagles. But I mean, look. I, I mean everything's going to come back to Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz can't lead this offense, they're going to get blown out. It's just, that's what it is. It's reality. And the Packers win was, in my opinion, one of the two biggest wins of Carson's career. Uh, The win against the Packers and the Carolina game in 2017, that's when I knew he was going to be something special. And we haven't really seen that since. Yeah, he played well and he led them to the the playoffs last year, but not to that level. Uh, I mean, look, it, Carson wasn't tremendous against the Packers, but he was a game manager and it, and it worked and he looked good and he didn't turn the ball over and he was smart. Uh, we need to see him kind of deliver, a, 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 not a flawless game, but a, one that's not mis- heavy with mistakes. As you hear my dog bark in the background. <laughs> um, so what, what, what what do the Eagles need to do to win this game? Like overall, in a nutshell, what do the Eagles need to do to win this game? Well, the wide receivers have to go ahead and get separation because because I, I did actually did a story on this this morning. It posted this morning. It's up on NJ.com about just by looking by the numbers of what Carson Wentz has done so far, and it's, and, he, and everybody's right. He has had one of his worst seasons, and it was on a historic pace. But not everything's his fault. Now everybody knows I'm I've been very critical of Wentz at times, and even push for Hurts to even get in. But there's not everything is his fault. For example, six in the league and drop passes. He's got 23 drop his receivers have dropped 23 passes. It seems like lately Miles Sanders has been the biggest culprit lately, especially on those little check down routes. And he's also had to throw the ball away 19 times, which is a league league because he's been under so much pressure as well, too. Now that he's going under the stuff. He's got a lot of stuff. So I think it's going to have to actually take the whole entire offense to go ahead and do better. I think they're going to have to go. Don't be, I think they shouldn't be afraid to go ahead and go max protect a couple times. If they really feel they need to go ahead and protect them and do the best job to go and do that. The other thing that I think is going to do, they cannot, cannot, cannot keep jumping off sides when it comes to those defense. Cause how many, especially when you go against Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's going to use the hard count. 
You know he's going to try to go ahead and draw him off, and you don't want to give him a free play to go ahead and try and beat you downfield. Now, one little weird stat that's going into this, you're looking at two of the teams that have uh, the most defensive offsides penalties in the league. The Packers are actually tied for first with I think like two, like three or four other teams when it comes to six offsides. You got the Eagles right behind them, tied for second and five. So you're going to you're going to see you're going to hear a lot of hard counts. It's going to be a matter of who's going to be the most disciplined as well, too. So I think as, as long as the Eagles play discipline, discipline are disciplined on defense, and even if it means frustrating and playing a sh- uh, frustrating Aaron Rodgers and making him check down a little bit more. And they also you have the offense go ahead and, and basically tailoring itself to Wentz's strengths and finding a way to get separation or get guys open schematically. I think they'll be, they'll be into this game. And I agree. I look, I look again, it's got, it can't be, it's impossible to play a flawless game, but they really need to ha- have like a, a very mistake free effort if they can, you know, as, as, yeah. as much as they possibly can, which is something, which is actually saying a lot. Yeah, when's uh, the last time we've seen three, three, all three phases play well, or even just the offensive defense play well at the same time. And it's always seems to be ones in sync, ones out and vice or vice versa. It's just, well, the answer for 2020 is never, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, look, maybe, maybe they surprise us. Nobody thought they were going to beat the Packers last year and they ended up going into Lambeau and putting forth a great effort. Maybe Jordan Howard plays in this game and repeats some history. They need to run the ball. That is what the doctor ordered for this game. Uh, they need to control the clock. They need to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline and, if they can do that, they've got a shot. I don't – here's the thing. This Eagles team is really, really bad. I do not want to sell any illusions here. But I think that they are good enough to to steal games, right? They're not the Jets. They're not the Jaguars. This is a team that can steal games if they're somehow able to find themselves. They've got enough talent and enough experience and – enough adversity uh, background to to make this work. I still think Washington should be considered the favorite in the division. I'm not ready to bury them yet, but if they're going to win, they need to win with their young talent and surprise us. And that's really the recipe for success here. So, you know, I mean, we'll have this all covered for you on Monday uh, when we have a recap show. Remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. You can download the No Huddle Show wherever podcasts are available. Um, you know, I, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than maybe we predicted. What was your score that you had for this one? I think I had a 23-17 or something in that, in, in that realm oh, with the I Packers had, winning. I had 30 to, I think, 17 or something like that. But, um, look – this game could be close. It could be a blowout. I, I don't know if there's going to be anything in between. Like, I don't see this being like a, you know, um, a down to the wire game. I think we're going to know. I think we're going to have a good vibe for who's going to win the game by the end of the third quarter. But I do think the Eagles, if they could potentially play catch up, that seems to be what their MO is keep the score closer than it actually is supposed to be on paper and, and what the game is flowing properly. So anyway, uh, hopefully we got some good news for you on Monday for Chris. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to the no huddle show podcast. We'll talk to you soon.